0: Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess.
1: I tell people, if, if, my, uh, if the sword I'm going to fall on, uh, on success, is driven by whether I'm helping others or not, uh, I will I, I will take the blade uh, in the blood of helping
0: others around. Dr. Hogan, welcome to the show. No, no, thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. Yes, sir. So... You know, we could, this interview could go on for three hours, but I got to try to make this fit into about 30, 45 minutes. So, so, you know, the way
1: I, you know, you know the way I like to talk, so you got to basically guide that if you wanted right. to finish in 30, 45 minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> so, all right. So, we got Dr. McAllister Hogan, right? So, I've known uh, Dr. Hogan. So, he's McAllister to me, right? So, I've known him since, was it fifth grade, 10 years old? Fifth grade, yeah,
1: fifth grade man yeah right. so fifth you
0: grade, moved into the system
1: moved across town yeah
0: yeah right. you playing the for States. the cardinals right yeah. weren't you playing for the cardinals yeah i was i was playing football for the bills and i played i was on the cardinals little
1: league uh, baseball team yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah, I yeah. so that. playing for the bills so, <laughs> you know i got all this backstory so the, you know i'm preparing for the interview i said well let me do my due diligence and look them up and you know i'll pull up this <laughs> three-page manuscript for an introduction so you know, I go, for, <laughs> I go to Maisha for help. I'm like, how do I introduce McAllister? She said, well, it should be simple, just say this. And then she started reading and got tripped up too. So this is what we're going to do, formal <laughs> introduction. We got Dr. Michalis Hogan, who is the vice chair of education and residency program director at the Department of Orthopedic Surgery, uh, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. He is also a professor in the Department of Orthopedic Surgery, Surgery and Bioengineering. Uh, he's been selected as best doctor in America uh, since 2016. Uh, Many other awards, uh, many research grants, many publications and manuscripts. Uh, To me, he is the son of Mary and Freddie Hogan, the brother of Michael Hogan, the father of Monica and Kiana, and the husband of Danica, who is also a radiologist and a great friend. So that's my uh, informal introduction. So, man, welcome, and, I'm, I'm you know, it's not by chance that you are the first orthopedic surgeon to be on this show, so we had to start it off right. Yeah, no, I
1: appreciate it, man. It's great being here, and uh, I appreciate you having me. You know, it's, it's always good to see family, and we don't catch up enough, so it's, as yeah. uh, it, 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 uh, they say, it's a two-for-one.
0: Right. So, you know, we started off, like you say, moved into muscle shows. We met when we were, I think, 10 years old, and, you know... <laughs> have been together forever so you know we graduated from high school I, I looked into my drawer so this is not pre-planned right so <laughs> I said let me just look into this drawer so let's go back to what's this oh man that's
1: both oh that's Botillion our senior year high school yeah so
0: we got senior year high school this is the Botillion pageant, right so McAllister me Bo-Tillion, Michael Williams, say, Chad, take it home yeah all right, so oh, next yeah. we got Take it home to go, high school graduation. Oh Chai man, high Maryland. school graduation. So here we they are, let us, at Xavier. You know, let us
1: out, you know what I mean?
0: You know, Xavier here. It's a crew. Xavier, freshman yeah. or sophomore? It might be sophomore year.
1: That's Yeah, yeah it might be sophomore year. It be yeah. sophomore year.
0: What? And then this is it's graduation from, from Xavier. So you know, and then we went to medical school together at Howard. So roommates mm-hmm. from first day of. College St. Michael's dormitory, uh, moved off campus. Still lived together. Went to medical school. Lived together. So you know, if there's one person outside of my immediate family, other than the fact that I've been married now for 12 years, that I've spent more time with is Dr. Hogan. Right. So many memories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you're right.
0: I yeah. think my issue like just passed me. You're right. She's right. There? Exactly. She <laughs> just passed In the you. cut.
1: <laughs> All right. So man, let's go back to
0: early. Um, when did you decide you want to be an orthopedic surgeon? I
1: mean, you know, the story, but, I you know, those listening do not, um, you know, growing up in Muscle Shows, I mean, we, you know, look, we were fortunate. We had a lot of uh, good mentors, you know, a lot of fortunate to have, you know, individuals from different backgrounds um, uh, around us, right. Family, friends. And, uh, you know, I knew, I knew essentially three doctors. I mean, I knew my, you know, my primary care doctor, Ashmore. I knew um, uh, Stanley, who also is one of my primary care doctors, you know, uh, your family. And then also uh, I knew uh, Deepak's dad, who was a pathologist. And I had a strong interest in medicine uh, or or pharmacy or engineering, because my brother's a chemical engineer, as Derek knows. And um, uh, essentially, you know, the the orthopedic surgery piece really, you know, clicked for me uh, when I broke my ankle. I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, senior year in high school. You know, as they say, see Friday night lights, and had uh, as Derek remembered because he spent you know most of the the night with with me after the game. Uh, and my family had a bad fracture dislocation. Uh, you know, the ones that everyone kind of looks at grotesquely, and you know everybody's shying away from it. And, you know, your legs dangling there, and um, at that time, you just kind of accept the reality. You're trying to accept what's going on, and after that, um, had surgery, you know, five day you know, injury on a Friday, surgery on a Tuesday. And um A.E. just said to me, Oh, you know, I heard you're thinking about medicine. At that point I I just I think a week before Derek and I had received our packages from Xavier that we had got you know accepted there and, and were blessed with scholarships, academic scholarships. And uh, he said, well you should really think about a way to peak surgery. You know, he said I, I love what I do. I get to take care of people and I can watch football games on Friday night and call it work. You know, and so and f- that was essentially it. Um, you know, I heard a little bit about it for when you had your elbow injury earlier and, and, and you would talk about it. But other than that, that was my first exposure. Uh, and, th- and from there forward, um, that was the anchor uh, that I was looking to drive and, and come back to, though I was interested in other things, uh, n- nothing as much as orthopedic surgery. So uh, that senior year in high school was when it did it for me.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned Dr. Stanley, right? He was the only um, African-American mm-hmm. physician I knew, I think, until I got to Howard, maybe a Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, remember, he used to mentor us. We would go to his office after he closed. Mm-hmm. It was about five or six of us yep. and he would mentor us. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so I remember yeah. that. And then, you know, like you said, I got injured my junior year and that's when I got exposed to orthopedics. Uh, Started hanging out with Dr. Jung. I think I mentioned that in an earlier episode. And boom, you know, so you have a mentor from an injury. I have a mentor from an injury. And that's how it starts. Um, so, yeah, family, first physician in your family. You come from a family that um, pride themselves with education. Your brother is in corporate America, but you're still the first physician, correct?
1: Correct. You know, first, first physician. Um, again, like you said, I mean, both of our families were big on education. Had educators in our family, and 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 um, educational excellence was more of a expectation. I mean, it's it, it was more the rule. I mean, essentially, you know, and um, and with that, but you know, first physician. Um, and it, as I think about it, still the, the only physician right now. But hopefully, that's changing. You know, in time.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So let's go forward to um, to Xavier, right? So we're in the dorm, freshman year. Remember the struggles. <laughs> Remember the Kirk Franklin album. Man, we thought we were knee deep. Oh um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we thought life was complex back then, right? I mean, you never knew, you know, from Sunday. The best thing is that we were good grounded in, in, in the in, in the Lord. I mean, that was I mean, that was we were rocks for one another, but essentially our faith. And again, that you know the rule and expectation, you know, regardless of how bad the week would be, uh, you know, you you were getting up and going to church on Sunday, and if you were thinking about dragging, you know, you were listening to Kirk Franklin to motivate you to get up, you know, and so. <laughs> uh, but absolutely, man, I, I still, uh, I still have that album uh, as one of my favorites on my title playlist, you know. So I always pull it back out every once in a while, yeah, uh, to, to, to to remember how things once were, you know.
0: Right. So what was the quote, man? That you used to say. Oh,
1: uh, to what, uh Xavier. I mean, yeah. I used to say I kind of ran a crazy. <laughs> thing.
0: I said, you know, uh, you know, I, I was like, control your chaos. Remember, but it was something about getting better. But yeah, I can't remember. It might pop back up.
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah, no, no. Times get hard, but things are always getting better.
0: That's it. That's it. Yeah, man. that was
1: it. I used, to, I used to always say, you know, times been hard, but things are always getting better. You know, I. You're right. I used to say that a lot. You know, yeah, that lets you know, how, you know, how we thought, how, how I thought how hard times were. But, yeah. you know, that, I took that concept from my dad, man. I mean, he used to always tell us, you know, my father, he would always say, no matter what happens to you in life, just remember things could always be worse. And if you take that opportunity to just take a step back uh, when things are challenging you or, or when you're going through hard times and just remember things could always be worse. If you could take that perspective, it, it helps you appreciate what, what the future could hold and how things could get better. And so you're right. I used to say at times. Time's been hard, but (laughs) it was about to get better. Yep, I said that a lot. So, man. and that's a memory. That's like a a blast of the past.
0: Right. (laughs) We're going to talk about how research kind of shaped your career, right? Um, But we kind of stumbled upon research at Xavier as Mark Scholars. Um, You were a biochemistry major. I was a biology major. Um, And, you know, that biochemistry really came in handy when we got to med school. I think that really puts you, you know, a step ahead of most. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Tell me about that early exposure as a mark scholar, I know you know we had to go to the interview and say, "I want to do clinical <laughs> research so I could get this extra scholarship money, but you know it's stuck right <laughs> exactly
1: <So. Is> that... <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right, man you know you you're you're on campus and you're trying to say okay what is what what are the avenues?" To progress, and progress, you know, in America with capitalism is usually associated with the cash. And and at that time, it's like, how can I, you know, get this scholarship, get the exposure. But the other thing too, you know, we, we had all these Marx scholars ahead of us, right? You know, yeah, uh, yeah, Claude. You had others who had been mm-hmm. Mark scholars, and, and you just saw a number of them who had been doing very well and and doing well in school, and um, and, and it seems like all these Mark scholars got into med school or grad school or whatever they were trying to achieve. You know, which was a consistency of Xavier, but. Uh, for us, I think that those first pieces of, of dabbling with research was really our summer research programs, right? Our summer research and development programs, whether it be an MMEP prep program, it was MMEP when Derek and I were going through. Now it's changed, I think, the acronym four times, but uh, getting exposure uh, in labs at different institutions, research labs, biomedical research. And um, I still have mentors from my summer I spent at Purdue, for the summer I spent at Harvard, and I still email with them uh, 20 years later. And um, so that was the first piece of exposure that I, I really am appreciative of, of the program and Xavier with Carmichael and Quavadas and these guys really basically instilling upon us that um, you know nothing's guaranteed. You, you really need to essentially develop these additional skill sets and experiences, and those really helped. And then with the Marx uh, Scholars Program, uh, getting into that program having the opportunity to do research during the week, right? We had to do up to 10 hours a week of research or over uh, 10 hours a month or something like that. where you go to the lab, you're working on your project and, uh, and presenting your work nationally. Right. Um, I still remember going to the meetings and, it, you know, we're out there with all these, you know, students from around the country,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from HBCUs, as well as majority institutions, it was huge. And I think that that exposure definitely uh, put, put us a step up uh, in exposure um, uh, going into medical school and also in, in our academic uh, aspirations, going into residency. And so for me, uh, that has continued to be an aspect of my practice uh, with the research lab I uh, help run here at Pitt. And um, I can be frank in that when when we're going for grants or going for different you know, opportunities or funding opportunities, uh, even for the students who I mentor. The fact that we have been, or I've been fortunate enough to have been on an NIH-funded uh, pathway all the way back then, um, uh, it, it it speaks to uh, the crowd, to the reviewers, uh, and and to those who are, you know, essentially assessing uh, what we're bringing to the table. That that we have a commitment to research uh, as a pathway and gateway uh, forward. So, uh, I, I think it's huge. Uh, I'm, uh, and the students I mentor now from high school to undergrad, I tell them, you know, find some way to get involved in research of something, whether they be in STEM, social policy, political science, et cetera. Uh, how are you pushing yourself to learn more about your craft, about your field uh, and those skill sets are those that are about, you know, you can't put a price on those.
0: Man, you took it to a depth I'd really forgotten about. You know, <laughs> I interviewed Dr. N- Neil Lewis a few weeks ago, and it turned into a Xavier premed hype session, right? Uh, about the <laughs> summer programs. So, like you said, you went to Purdue, you went to Harvard. I spent mm-hmm. my summer. I did the first summer at UAB, and then I went to um, Johns Hopkins, and I also mm-hmm. went to Duke. So, I did mm-hmm. a summer program in Duke, summer program at Johns Hopkins. And that goes a long way. And then as part of my Mark um, scholarship, I worked at the um, Food and Drug Administration in (laughs) New Orleans. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's heavy duty research. And when it was time to go to medical school, they made sure we had a complete package. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. GPA, um, MCAT, it was research, um, exposure, you know, it was also going, like you said, presenting on a national scale um, at different Mm -hmm. conferences. So, that's important, you know. So any students, high school, um, undergraduate students listening, that is how you make your um, your application stand out from the rest. So now let's go ahead and skip. So now that you're a residency program director, what do you look for when you're looking to try to see? Okay, we got good scores got good recommendations but that's 99% of the applications on your desk. What do you look for to try to separate someone from the pack?
1: So uh it's a great question. Um I would uh, you know I, I I don't have a pr- exact formula. I'll give you the steps to my application. I open the application up. I look at where uh someone uh is born. Uh I look at where they're born versus where they are now versus where um uh, what their hobbies are, uh, I look at the institution they came from. But if it makes it to my desk, I give everyone you know credence, uh, and then from there um, I look through their application to really try to make an assessment. And it it's hard, right? Um, what type of individual is this from a standpoint of are they dynamic? Now, dynamic does not mean you have to be you know in you know twenty different organizations, leading five different groups, uh, and you're the second coming of you know orthopedic messiah. It's more or less. What is it about this person uh, that uh, is a dynamic element or piece? And then I take notes on that. And then uh, I I look through that and try to identify themes throughout their application uh, from letters of recommendation, looking for certain buzzwords from uh, letter writers, looking for for comments from their personal statement. Uh, And I also, in orthopedics, I actually go to some of the comments from their dean's letter um, that comes from non-surgical or non orthopedic uh, rotations and a lot of that's driven by studies that show, you know, individuals who uh, actually do well uh, or give their all on non-orthopedic surgery rotations, non-surgery, they actually usually are, are in, in the long run end up being uh, uh, some of the best physicians. Not not always the best or, or the only best, but uh, some of the best physicians that are well-rounded. Uh, their professionalism is uh, is second to none, and their ability to adapt to the complexities of a five or six-year orthopedic residency. Uh, are there and so that's what i look for uh and and then when i interview them i really want to have an idea how they actually present themselves uh, in relation to how that that paper application has appealed to me and then working with the team of of other attendings and residents and how they fit with our local environment but that's my approach but i do want a dynamic individual and i want someone quite frankly the other thing for me is you know what are you going to do are you are you thriving each day to be your best self uh, or to be great, uh, as as Bob Wilson used to say to us, like, what have you been great at before, you know? Uh, and also, what are you doing uh, to help? Are you willing to help make an environment better? Uh, and what have you done to try to make the environment you've been in better? And that, that means a lot to me. I mean, if, if you are purely there to take, 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 I mean, hey, that works for some. Um, it's just not necessarily someone that I would want on my
0: team at all times. So uh, that that's my approach. Right. I appreciate that, man. That's pearls for anyone trying to apply for any type of professional school, but especially a very, you know, orthopedic surgery, every year is one of the top five most competitive fields to match into coming out of medical school. So you gotta have pretty much everything correct to really be able to be successful in this, mm. in this match process that they have. Now let's talk about medical school. So, you know, now it's different. So the work of Dr. Bunny Simpson-Mason um, and many others like yourself, there is a path. But when we came in, you know, we got to medical school 2002 and we were a couple of years ahead of this major wave of mentorship. Uh, mm-hmm. So we kind of had to make it away on our own. Um, so mm-hmm. freshman year, uh, do you recall what we were part of?
1: Oh, yeah. that We're part of the you know what was it? Uh, Medicine OSIS. Society. OS, oh, yeah. OSIS. So we had Medicine Society first. Right. As first year. Right. That was in the curriculum. And we had to you got your mentor, and that's how you your mm-hmm. Bonnie, I matched with Grant, and then or vice versa. And right. then then we had OSIS that we have uh, established orthopedic surgery interest group, right? I mean that's mm-hmm. what Sharif and those guys were like third third and fourth years, and Brian Flowers and, those, and that group just trying to just trying to find a way out of no way, right? So, yeah, yeah, so I we were on the <laughs> founding committee,
0: you know, we were in the room as first year medical students helping write the by- bylaws to this. <laughs> Interest group, you know, but one I know the way I got in, it was hustle, right? So yep. first year, I mean, we're up five o'clock in the morning going to grand rounds, you know, mm-hmm. you were around so much that really at that point when it came time to do rotations, you didn't need to do a formal rotation because everybody knew who McCallis Hogan was because he was always present, you know, we're in grand rounds and if there is a networker, you are the networker of all networkers, right? <laughs> so... Um, yeah. Yeah, you got to get started early. Yeah,
1: no, you have to get started early. And and I I I tell students that now, DB, i mean, when uh at Pitt we have a rule where every if they're going to do it away in a specialty, different pre co you know, COVID, they have to do it away at Pitt. I respect it. You know, you 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 adapt and evolve with the cultures that you uh come into. But I, I tell the students regularly, I said, hey. I tell them with Bob Wilson and some of those guys told me, that like, if you stick around here too many times, you're eventually going to annoy someone. And, <laughs> and right. so, or oh, and, and if you've been around a place for three or four years, you want to do what you can. Again, you don't want to be, you don't have to be annoying. You don't have to be overbearing, but uh, just being present in the room, saying hello when people say hello to you, right? First, you know, speak when spoken to, but observing, taking it all in. Uh, assessing the environment of the people you're around, of the environment and field, or whatever you may want to go into, uh, whether it be orthopedic surgery or, or being a dietitian. I mean, you want to be around and try to expose yourself to what you may do as a career for the remainder of your life. And so um, I think it was great that we had the bridge at Howard, right? We would. We would show up. we say, all right, maybe we're going to wake up. We're going to make grand rounds. We're going to get there by 6 a.m. And uh, we're going to show up with our you know shirt and tie on and a white coat. And just sit in the corner of the room and just, you know, soak it up, you know, and um, that, that was, it was great that we did that. I mean, quite frankly, that was back when things were simple. I mean, we thought things were complex back then, but it was, uh, it was a great
0: time. And it's not like we lived right around the corner from the medical school. <laughs> no, 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 we we no. About 15 <laughs> miles away and in DC traffic, that was 45 to an hour. So the ground rule was we were riding together. But if you left your homework, you left your books, you were <laughs> it was over oh, until it, it, tomorrow.
1: Yeah, man. You left if you forgot something, man. You were you you were S O L and you yeah. kind of like, oh man. Yeah. Um, we we would find a way out of nowhere. You start sitting real close to your classmates saying, I need to look off your syllabus because I left mine right. at home. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you're right, yeah. We've been commuting for a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you know, we're standing on a, the shoulders of giants. So you mentioned Dr. Bob Wilson, um, but how fortunate were we to get matched up with Dr. Richard Grant, uh Dr. Bonnie Simpson uh Mason, um Dr. Terry Thompson. You know these people that we had in our corner from day one, Dr. Anyike, uh, really is gave us the ability to make it through. Um, so talk about that a little bit as far as mentorship. Oh no, I mean, uh,
1: you, mentors and allies, uh, even when you don't necessarily recognize it, right? I mean, uh, you, you you want to just observe what they're doing, g- gain an understanding of uh, of. How they achieved it. But really what I think more and more about it, it it's you are identifying, you're spending time with individuals who actually want to expose you to their field. I mean, the thing about it, when you when we look back on it and as busy as we are now, DB, right? These guys were busy. You know, they were busy. I mean, you know, Bonnie was, you know, running the practice. You know, Richard Grant, I think that our, our uh, first year was, he was the, that was the year he was the uh, president of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgeons, first right. Black president. When you look back on when he introduced us to Rankin, I mean, mm-hmm. that was when Rankin, I believe, was either, you know, treasurer or secretary. He was essentially in the presidential line of the academy. I mean, it was all these things. And um, and, and Bob was busy and, and Oyike was a resident. I mean, right, we met Oyike. He was a resident getting us involved in like a research review. And, and so... But they they welcomed us being there and, and sharing with us uh, their field and their, you know, what they like you know loved about the field. But at the same time, too, their they're just desire to help develop others. And I think that uh, is what will always be a lasting thing for me. And, you know, it's pretty much, you know, once, all, once Howard, always Howard. I mean, you, we go to meetings. It, it really doesn't matter that you're embraced and they, and they want you to do well. And that matriculated through the program, right? You get into the residency when we were students, when Corey was there and, I mean, the names would go on, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was just, I I mean, all these guys, Dominique, Cam, I mean, all these guys who essentially would be like, you know what, all right, just come with me. Let me show you some stuff (laughs) (laughs) since you're here, right? And uh, they could have easily given us the Heisman stiff arm, like go away, but they never did. And so, uh, I you know, I'll never forget that and and try to pay it forward in helping others.
0: Absolutely. And then, you know, you went to University of Virginia for residency. Kind of talk about that era at university of virginia
1: uh, um well i mean again it still goes back to you know uh, connections and we're fortunate i mean it, i remember the day bob wilson pulled me into his or at providence i was just roaming around again and he said hey how do you talk to you stop by the or and he, and he said you know your interview at uva apparently went pretty well you know they they have they, they feel positively about you but we'll see how things work out the match is a confusing thing you never know and you know, just to realize later that he went to you know he was at med school with Dr. Lorenson. They were best cl- school classmates. I mean, you know, uh, contemporaries. And then another one of my attendings, uh, David duck, used to play basketball at UVA. He used to play basketball with Bob Wilson. Wow. They were har- they were Harvard med school classmates, right? And so, um, I-, I believe you know the era we had. Uh, uh, it was a dynamic match that year. I mean, it's you know it probably it would go down in history as probably one of the most dynamic and and diverse matches at a a majority program in history, quite frankly. I mean, we had six people go in that year, five are African-American, one, uh, you know, Caucasian female and, uh, you know, four, you know, African-American males. But I mean, when you think about that, uh, the dynamic is significant. Uh, And so it was it was really the opportunity. I mean, all of us went through, got in, uh, came through successfully. All of us are successfully, you know, in practice now. Uh, and doing well, and uh, I think that's uh, the, the opportunity was afforded to us, and we made the most of it. Uh, and uh, with UVA still very active with the alumni association, and was just you know at the alumni dinner during the sports medicine meeting um, with those guys. And so um, you take the opportunities, you make the most of the opportunities, and you figure out how do you get the opportunities to the others. Uh, and and that's what uh, the the faculty with Lorenzen and others did for us at UVA. And so uh, I'll be always be appreciative of that.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, Mac, you're 40 years old, right? So you are a program director. I mean, you're vice chair of the department. You know, you have research grants. You've been a traveling fellow. You've done many, many, many things. I mean, you're a leader in multiple aspects of orthopedic surgery. So what do you feel is like your biggest accomplishment? What do you think is, when you look at yourself, what do you say, man, I'm proud of this?
1: Oh, man, I, I'll be. I mean, um, so uh, I'll, I'll hit you two things. And I'm not saying this just because Because I think about what orthopedias has done for me. Um, and most proud of thing is and I'm not is uh, my wife and my kids. And I'll tell you why. One, uh, I met Danica's Derek knows. Uh, I met her at an orthopedic surgery interest group meeting going to the academy in D.C. You know, she she was a first year med student. She was a first year med student. And Bonnie Mason was one of her mentors then. She was two years behind us and said to her, oh, you should think about orthopedics. Come to the meeting. It was in D.C. And it was a horrible meeting. The meeting was fine. But remember, it snowed and there was like it was a freezing rainstorm uh, in D.C. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so. We're out there in trench coats, you know. We're trudging through snow in DC, and as all of us know, uh, DC is not really a snow city. And I met Danica then, uh, and and from there we, you know, developed a friendship, and then that that blossomed into what it is today. Uh, And and we have two beautiful children. And and how? Why would I say that's the thing I'm most proud of? So there are a lot of things. And how do we? When I was doing my traveling fellowship, which you alluded to, there uh, there was this anesthesiologist at University of Washington. She's a dynamic woman. And she actually said to us, you know, when you're going through these things, you're trying to develop your career, balance, family. And she said, you know, there are all these things that we talk about with balance. And, um, and, and none of us do it that well. And she acknowledged that. And she said, and, and what that really comes down to is not really balance, it's choices. Um, the thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, Dadeeka would laugh about this. She's like, OK, whatever, dude. But when I'm at work, you know, my residents are surprised. They, they talk about it they say hey man like we see that you are still a family man i don't know if that's because you know i'm lucky enough that Danica stayed and my kids and, and luckily my daughters <laughs> love me so so my, my daughters love me and they look like me so she's like the value of leaving is you know really low but no all jokes aside um we're blessed to be together but they they talk about which i never knew until i started talking to residents more and more right I've eight, i'm eight years here now. And Reza said, oh, we see you as one of the family guys who's like, you know, like you, you're working hard. We know you're grinding. You're in, you know, all over the place, doing a number of different things, trying to help the environment. And they said, but we also know you're close with your wife. Uh, you, you know, you, I would take my girls to Grand Rounds before COVID. And, mm. and I would try, even though I probably should get home still earlier. <laughs> right? right. You know, um, they start, they're like, hey, you're not, you're not I'm not one of these guys just living in the hospital all the time. And I'm trying to get home. Like I'm thinking about getting home. And, the, and, I, and I talk about my family. And so I think the thing I'm most proud of right now is that uh, I feel like and more so in recent years and times, and I'm always working on it, um, the choices I've made to say, you know what, I, I want to be close, to, you know, close to my wife, want to be very close to my kids. And, and there is a pathway to success and prosperity in the field that is inclusive of that. Not not what, you know, unfortunately, in, in prior periods of time, right, the divorce rates and separation rates of physicians is, you know, quite high, particularly professionals. Uh, and so um, I, I'm most proud of that. And I think that that actually grounds me um, and keeps my perspective balanced that, you know, my perspective balance, not necessarily a balance of life. And you, we're always going to be stretched. We're always going to be on the edge of our activities because of just the craft we chose right you don't you don't choose to be a high earner you don't choose to be someone who works 80 to 100 hours a week if you're not going to always be on the edge of something at the edge of of your drive but how it it has helped balance my perspective when I'm working with others um, because I think it does give me that civility and and that uh, that that mental clarity to say hey you know what there's more to what we are doing than just uh, orthopedic surgery or or just the next case it's it's really a it's, it's a broader picture in perspective so um you know i'm constantly trying to figure out how can i just be my better and best self uh and if i listen to my wife more i would it would probably be easier <laughs> but yeah. but but um but um that's what we do you know and I, and I think that's the part uh that i'm most proud of uh that that we've been, i've been able to do this and i'm able to do it from a place where i'm you know i'm in my basement with my kids you know with my kids, you know, schoolwork behind me and the toys in the corner, and, and I'm happy about it. Right. You know, and uh, and I think that that means a
0: lot. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a good point. Both of our wives are professional women, right? So mm-hmm. my wife is a pediatric dentist. Your wife is a radiologist. Um, <laughs> but they make us look good because of the sacrifices that they're willing to make. You know, mm-hmm. they keep us in the game with the kids, and the kids still think <laughs> we're heroes.
1: <laughs> you know, exactly. despite.
0: You know, yeah. all the sacrifices that have to be made so we can continue to do what we do, you know? Exactly, man. But, yeah. Amen to that. Amen yeah. to that. All right, man. So, you know, training a resident. So you get a group of students from different walks of life, different backgrounds, and you have five to six years to train them into being an orthopedic surgery. Uh, orthopedic surgeon. What's your philosophy behind training a resident?
1: Um, I, I do think it's a combination of M&M and, um, and what Richard Grant said when we were going into residency. You only get one shot. <laughs> and it's not to say, yes, it's lifelong learning, but that five to six year period or whatever training program you're in, uh, whatever length of the training piece is, that really is your last period of time where the goal is of those around you to throw as much at you, right, uh, as possible. And where the environment is set up for you to take in as much as possible. Um, I mean, right? You and I both have busy clinics. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you were able to go into a room, take an extended history, you know, have a time to come out, process it, think about it, and present it to someone else? And the reason you can do that is because that, you know, the attending was doing something else. And, right, you had that moment to say, you know what, for the 10 patients I see today, I'm going to go in deep on those 10 patients or those Mm -hmm. 15, 20 patients. Then, You know, then you have what, 35 to 50. (laughs) Then you're like, okay, how deep am I going in now in practice? And so when you put it in perspective, um, uh, what I try to tell the residents is like, hey, look, you know, this one thing, orthopedics is fun and you should be having fun. That doesn't mean it's not hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that doesn't mean that it's easy. And so you really have to push that, have that drive to essentially, you know, try to soak up as much as possible. And I do tell them, you only, you really only have one shot. This is the last time in your journey other than fellowship for the uh, for this length. Right. I mean, most people undergrads for, you know, every phase of your life is in four years except uh, surgical residencies. Right. Uh, or, or shorter. And I tell them orthopedic surgery residency lasts longer than most than many marriages in America, unfortunately. And so you have one shot to get it all in and uh, figure out the best way and your methods as quickly as possible to be able to absorb as much information as possible uh, and uh, and try to have fun while you're doing it. Uh, and so that, that's what I tell them. And I also tell them, you know, lean on one another, you know, have, I mean, but that's, that's our background, right? When we were Xavier, high school, Xavier, med school, we leaned on one another, you, you help one another, uh, and so, uh, it just makes the the journey, uh, that much more, uh, uh, attainable and, and manageable. So that's what I tell them to do. Uh, I won't say they all do it, you know, but at the same time too, uh, I think they all get, uh, they understand my philosophy and my principles.
0: Yeah. And one thing, when you're a resident, like you said, this is the only time that you have the wealth of resources. Um, I'm sure every surgeon will remember the first few years in practice where you wish, you had somebody standing over your shoulder, you know, <laughs> yeah. as a resident, it was like, I got this, you know, why don't they let me do more? And then that first time you look over <laughs> that shoulder and nobody's there, that's the real oh, deal. So,
1: yeah. Or well, the first time you come home after a day in the OR, man, I still remember, did he laugh about it when I bring it up? I still remember the first couple of months, I mean, of, of operating. And you, and you do something to someone, you mm-hmm. feel like you help them. You feel good when you leave the OR and you get home and you're sleeping at night. You're thinking about the case. Right. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. You're th- and, you know, and Danica would say, you know, what's wrong with you? I was like, no, no, I'm just thinking about something. Thinking about, I mean, right. You know, just tra- and you're thinking about uh, when you were a resident, you didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You did it some when you were a chief, but now you're thinking on a different level. Hey, man, this is my case, my patient. You know, any scenario of going back to the OR, doing something differently, it's on me. Right, mm-hmm. and so and so you think about it. That's how you get better. Um, but I, you know, it's like when they used when they asked uh, Kobe, you know, hey, what are you doing after the game? And somebody says, "I'm going to the club," and he says, "I'm going to the gym."
0: <laughs> right. <More laughs> you know, practice. so
1: more practice, <laughs> and so that you're practicing in your mind, uh, and that's what's going to you know sharpen you and keep making you better.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, McAllister, okay, man, I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. Um, you know. on, Time out with the sports doctor. This is your final timeout, right? So (laughs) what is your last piece of advice, you know, that you would leave to someone who is trying to follow in your footsteps? Um, Someone who might be, you know, one thing I started this platform. So when someone sees a Dr. Hogan and all your, uh, all the stuff that you have accomplished in a short period of time, it might seem like they'll never make it to that point. But once you start to understand the struggles the adversities you had to overcome and kind of the backstory, you know, it helps people identify you more as a human being than just a physician. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's talk about adversities, maybe that you had to overcome along the way.
1: Oh, uh, man, you know, you know, personal relationships. I mean, you, I mean, you know, you remember coming through school. I mean, you would think any, anything that would happen, right. It's the reason why week to week you're driving to church, listening to Kirk Franklin, like you (laughs) essentially have been dragged through, you know, dragged through hell the week before, um, and so, you know, uh, challenges, I think that, that I really do live by the motto of things could always be worse. I mean, and, and you've helped me through that. I mean, people we were together with, you know, an undergrad, Neil, Alfred, Chad, Marlon. I mean, it was a number of people, a number of friends and family who, you know, my fraternity, you know, my, my line brothers, a number of people who have been in my life who essentially have helped me get through those different adverse points, right? When you don't do as well on, the, on an exam, when you really think, like, man, I, I'm on the edge, right? And and having pe- had you know, you recognizing you're on that edge, and having people around you to help pull you back. Mm-hmm. And and so the, the, what I tell everyone, you know, you know, don't make yourself an island, right? You know, the world is a big uh, and sometimes can be a lonely place. Do whatever you can to try not to be an island. And all of us can be better about it. Uh, and 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 trying to, and you need uh, that support network and and work for that and and to have it be you know enriched so that people can pull you back right when people can say hey man like you know you're not paying attention (laughs) Mm -hmm. and paying it's not just paying attention at work it's in life right when people like hey man how'd you miss this or you know you though though, i think that's valuable it it, it keeps reminding you of your choices and following your passions and so um that's what i say to that i mean you you have to really uh and you have to have a strong, uh, strong faith. I mean, you have you have to be willing, you know, as they say, you know, be not afraid uh, and also be comfortable praying in silence. Right. And 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 essentially, you know, having that that rock uh, to to essentially go back to. I mean, those are the things that I would say. Um, and if you're doing that and constantly trying to figure out as you go through challenges, what can you do uh, to help make yourself better, your environment better? Uh, and help make the uh, environment around you better, and again, you know that that's where i I tell people if if, if my uh if the sword i'm gonna fall on uh, on success is driven by whether I'm helping others or not uh i will i I will take the blade and uh, in the blood of helping others around me because what I've found in time is even in the midst of challenge you have to, yes, you have to be willing to promote yourself, yes, you have to have drive and uh you have to know your worth uh but i I'm one who believes that the that your worth. Is driven by the value that you bring to others around you uh, and the positive influence you have on them and how you contribute positively to your environment and leaving places better than you found them. You do that, it becomes very hard for the environment not to support you. Uh, and it also becomes even harder for people around you who want to hurt you uh, to be able to do so. So uh, that's been my approach. It's worked for me. It's a collection of all the things I've learned from people like you, people I've been around and, you know, I- I'll live by it, I'll die by it.
0: Man, strong words. So, man, I appreciate all the pearls of wisdom you shared tonight. Um, You know, my wife has been very adamant with saying, (laughs) look, we got to get this book together. Right. So. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. (laughs) There's no, we we do. Many years of uh, stories to tell. So, man, I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you being, you know, in my kids life. Godfather to my daughter. um, Amen, brother. Keeping the families together. And let's keep keep doing what we do. Representing Muscle shows, Right. Yeah uh, man, you know, one time, as they say. So, you know, right. we out
1: here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? As they say, no limit. That's yeah. right. No, no no limit Trojans, say, no right. No limit Trojans. No limit Trojans, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you, brothers. Much love, you know what I mean? And, and family and, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, we wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be where I am without without you and you know the same. And Absolutely. So Absolutely. Uh, th- th- this is fun. This this is a highlight of my day and week yes. and, uh, and, and we got to do it again.
0: We got many different uh discussions that we can have on this show so i appreciate you thank you for your continued support with this podcast a five-star review would be greatly appreciated subscribe to this podcast so you can continue to get the updated information in new episodes thank you